Ding, 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 ding. Welcome to Men in the Ring, and I'm joined out of Northern Africa by Matt. Matt is a current mental health clinician, former professional kickboxer and boxer, which helps inspire our title of our podcast called Men in the Ring, which is a call to all peoples, men, women, and other to get their mental health in the ring of life and address things. Um, how are you, Matt? Good, Sean. How are you doing? Oh, it's so funny. Whenever I say the introduction, I'm always like, am I getting my mentals in the ring like I should? You know, it's like, it's like I kind of like a thing, like a, like, oh, I wonder. We're calling people to do that. I, I don't know yeah. if I'm, I don't know if I'm doing that at the moment on any large scale, but yeah, every day I'm always dialing thought, oh, thoughts in and doing things that allow me to make good decisions. So I guess I'm doing it on a small scale constantly. So reminds me of uh, not doing enough, you know, that one, that feeling of people that's never doing enough or whatever, you know? Yeah. Not doing enough. Can't, can't keep up. Always behind. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, which is always what's that? No, what are you gonna say? Well, that oh, that mantra of always behind is just something that it's it's always kind of an enemy in life that um, wars against like your own self confidence and it's always trying to get you f- fighting in life on a defense a defensive posture, fighting off the back foot. We've talked about this, which you can talk about it. A lot, and I think would be productive, but um, it's just one of those things that keeps people um, from gaining their full potential, I think. Yeah. And it's not real. No, fake. <laughs> you know, like, uh, fake. although that, you know, the whole. Behind, it's me, but that's okay. <laughs> the whole the whole social media definitely perpetuates that you know because everybody's putting their most fancy foot forward yeah like oh yeah i am behind shoot these people have their their life filter on then if you would know all the details like oh yeah we're the same you know <laughs> yeah uh, I'm always on the back foot. Reminds me of that uh, dinosaur pileup song. Always on the back foot. Whoa! <laughs> Think about it. It's a pretty cool song, actually. Which is a saying. It's, it's more about European or English saying about. Being on the back foot is, which is a fighting term, but you're the the fighter you know all about. <clears throat> yeah, it's never good. <laughs> <laughs> or in football, I knew if ever if you ever have the weight on the back part of your heels, you're gonna be in trouble because you can't you can't switch. Direction very quick without 
weight being on your toes, you know. Yeah. It's a good but way it, to end up on a on a poster flat on your back. <laughs> yeah, that, this reminds me like whenever you're feeling like crap or whatever, it's so much easier to like fighting in defensive posture is always you, way easier to make an ass out of yourself or be a jerk because you're like defending yourself against stuff you don't need to defend yourself against you know or whatever yeah I don't know you two things stick out to me just popping off into my head right now like one is like you don't have any experience you fight off your back foot right because you don't know any better. Oh yeah, because okay. It's also a timid and it's a timid way to fight, right? So then, like you can't do this halfway. Like if you're gonna go in, you gotta go, right? So, but you you can't get there until you've had experience. Mm-hmm. Unless you've had the experience, and you can put your head down and go. But you know what I mean, right? Probably like that with a lot of things in life. If you, oh yeah, whether it's building a house, working on a car, parenting, <laughs> parenting, <laughs> parenting on your back foot, Ooh. you'll get eaten alive. <laughs> these what? These rabid dogs. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's uh that's some real talk quick there. Hmm. I don't know how people survive when, when they're not you know re- yeah. relation relational and authoritative. I don't know. That's rough stuff. People create create a lot more work for them, a lot more stress for themselves than necessary. Life is already hard. Yeah. What's funny is so last week we spoke about um, was doing the living healthier, like eating healthier, like having, um, you know, good workout habits, exercise habits. Why is that everything that's healthy for you so difficult or so hard, you know? Yeah. Which is, the, it's a funny concept to, to kind of think of it in a, like a, some sort of a binary term where it's like, Hard, healthy, you know, easy, not healthy. Yeah. Which is pretty, it's pretty true across the board for the most part. I don't know why we don't look at it like that as often. It's never great to be 100% black and white, but. Yeah. Well, I think one thing, when we mentioned it last week, like one of the part of it's like one's delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One feels good now. Like, yeah, yeah. There's also, I think, there's also a real sense of momentum to, you know, like once one gets going, you can keep it going. Once one, once one, one gets going. Like, like if you start doing something good, like it's just easier to keep it going than starting from nothing. At least it is for me. 
Yeah. And something derails it or somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, when you talk about um, the one thing that's easier or whatever, I just got, I can only, the only thing I can think about right now is my main, one of my main struggles as a parent is my kids' screen time. Um, and he's plenty old <laughs> and I'm, so I've been trying to like, let him like recognize, you know, the deficiencies and recognize that he ha- has to have those controls and I can bring those controls in, but like at a certain point, like he's going to have to make those decisions for himself. Very difficult, especially when strong habits of brain candy out yeah. there on every level, you know? So you wake up, throw the screen on, take a shower, screen on, go to the bathroom, screen on, get dressed, screen on, come down, eat breakfast, screen on. Yeah. Shut it down, drive to school. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we were talking beforehand about like encountering God in a real way, right? Mm-hmm. But if we don't have time to do it because it's filled with screen time, mm-hmm. or it's just, we fill with everything, like <laughs> even with running, you know, like I'm trying to listen to books, like I'm filling that time and um, sharing with you, like. The past couple of the past couple of times, I just turned my headphones off and ran and was praying about stuff instead, you know, to to engage that part, to create space for. And this is what I was talking about, like not having space or not creating space to really, truly encounter God. So we filled it with everything. Yeah. Really took a wild turn there. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, it touches on a whole lot of things, really. I mean, like, okay, before electronics were so prevalent, there's a lot of open spaces, right? Like, yeah, I remember, I remember as a child, like the torture, the absolute torture of boredom was like. I mean, pain, like literally painful, like head headache. Yeah. So then you create, you figure out how to fix that issue. Obviously, create things out of the middle of the barren woods. You know, mm-hmm. to enter, entertain yourself or to make a trail, make a fort, um, play with the bees, and, and run. Get stung. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, ride your bike through the woods and whatever. <clears throat> um, so that consternation is not available. You know, the boredom is not available to kids at this time, unless you have really good parents, which I'm clearly bordering on not being that. 
for this child at least. Um, but I also want him to taste the current, um, one of the current, you know, life conundrums that his generation is going to grow up with so he can understand and relate with his fellow peers, you know? Yeah. But then I want to be able to bring him out of it into victory so he can help others eventually too. But there's going to be a very interesting dynamic, you know, for those kids as they grow up where there's going to be miss- some missing elements of, and, and um, um, be really interesting to see how it plays out as a sociologist or just any, you know, economist or, you know, <laughs> anybody, you know, it's the study of on the macro level. Yeah. A little bit annoying and scary, but that's just the reality we live in, so. Yeah. World has changed. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's definitely not an old man take. The world has changed. It's, It's a very relevant take it's going to keep changing quickly too um but yeah can rely on the uh, fundamentals of the faith your faith with how you develop that and as you go through life i think yeah. <clears throat> Which is a scary thing, too. I'm pretty good with screens. I can do I can do three screens at a time. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm not. I can, uh, I can do YouTube. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I used to think I used to be pretty um, multi-task. I think is what they call that. Um, I actually used to think that I could do two things at one time or more than um, just because I was pretty quick um, in the whole brain area. Um, like when I say like three screens, you know, like have two football games on or football, baseball, and then also a little something on my phone or whatever. Um, you know, usually like a commentary blog type thing. But um, then I learned you know, after, after, after being a social work professional for a while and studying the science of it and reading some things like, oh, you actually, you know. Um there's no such thing as focusing on more than one thing at a time, scientifically speaking. So you can yeah. go quick, quickly back and forth and sometimes effectively back and forth, but it's never actually the multitasking thing. Yeah. And, and there is, there is a diminished, you know, I was more or less doing it 
without knowing to probably, um, you know, to probably help some ADD or some something like that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. In some ways, like, uh, doing the homework with music in my ear, you know, was actually helpful, but that's not like, uh, that's not the best way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That just allowed me to focus a little more for some reason. In the moment. Sit still. Oh. Yeah. Time we got. A um, little bit more here. Um, that's funny, huh? Um, you got to get going? No, I just can't see the time. I just oh. didn't want it to go over. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, raising kids this day and age is an interesting challenge you're right in the mix of it yeah i'm kind of on the tail end of mine um still like challenging really challenging you know yeah. even though i'm almost out the woods i'm still having to work pretty hard ba- battle through some things can never quite can never quite just pick an approach and just hammer it you gotta like keep being uh, recognizing extenuating circumstances or recognizing context and keeping being aware of everything which is makes it hard you know i think i don't really have a solid parenting approach it's just more connect and teach like that's kind of stay connected don't Mm -hmm. don't wreck that relationship connection and teach as much as i can whether it's chess or whatever interacting with kids or yeah i think i think if you were to categorize or whatever it's it's a loving it's a it's a true loving approach I took that with my kids as well, very relational, loving. What that does also, it does bring a disciplinary out in you because um, you see if there's something that needs to be corrected out of love. It's like real quick and easy and sometimes could border on harsh a little bit, but you have so much relationship built in that it's like it's not that harsh. It's like, oh, okay, it's very clear. Yeah. And... um then it's known, it's corrected, and you move right on back to fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that comes with, you know, a loving, fun relationship that's built deep, you know? like, And that's actually modeled off of relationship that Jesus can have with us. <clears throat> it's a very biblical model. 
um, which is a natural. It's actually quite natural, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily based on feelings. Yeah. Um. What does that? Um, so God is Father, right? Well, how does that change our relationship with Him? Our experience with Him. If we realize that He's a Father. Yeah. So there's a God in the world that maybe created the earth and everything, and then we realize, oh, He's also a Father. Then. If that you've come to that realization, how does that change? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, like how does that change perspective on world or life or yourself even? That's a pretty loaded question. I mean, um, some people say that it's a concept of God or understanding him as a father is directly related to what you can relate to as your earthly physical, you know, biological dad or whoever was a father figure in your life and can relate to that level, which I think is true to mostly a a large extent. Um, But after that, then I think you realize that it's a relational thing is a big deal you know you stand from the outside an atheistic view like oh maybe maybe darwinism is humanism is touch touch flawed let's explore that god is a all-knowing creator and then now he's also a father figure well i guess it just relate it, it, it implies relationship i think and protective and value. Not 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 everyone's felt valued by their father, so it's hard to relate that in some level, you know. Yeah. But most people most people have felt some sort of value making it to adulthood from parents, uh, you know. Yeah, so that's a that's a relation point. That's a you know a point that they can attached to there. What's your thoughts on that? Um, mm, going back to my thoughts about it, because we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, just about attachment. And attachments are strong they're really defined by the person and character that we're attaching to. Right. So if the person that we're attaching to is secure and good, then we can become secure and good and have healthy boundaries and do those things. Right. But if God's our father and speaking of attachment figures and father figures and, and we are able to attach to him, then that would help in developing security in us and um, 
there's uh, seven kind of categories and things that come up when you look at attachment needs. Um, one of them's that I don't spend a lot of time thinking about is playfulness or an engagement. There's attunement. There's security. There's safety boundaries. Um, and yeah, well, there's a couple others, but those were um, thought those were interesting things that we humans need to attach to develop a secure attachment and wondering how can God or how does God meet those, you know? Right. So. That's a heck of a question right, right there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a great thing to <laughs> explore next time, I think. Because <laughs> that, that gets into some things for sure. So how, say that again, how God develops attachments. You know, how can we essentially attach to God and... Meet, okay. How does he meet those attachment needs to us? Hmm. All right. Interesting. That sounds yeah. like a pretty interesting episode for next week. I got some, th- got some thinking to do. Good thing we have a professional on board. <laughs> sounds like a plan. All right, man. Well, I appreciate uh, your time for this episode. Like, subscribe, please share, and um, see you next week. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks, man. All right. See you.